talking about the Bible. It's, it's very convenient. Somebody asked me today, actually yesterday, actually my mom asked me, she said, what are you preaching on this week? And I said, the Bible. And she said, you know, I hope, I hope so, uh, because you're a pastor. I said, no, no, we're actually preaching on the Bible. Like, like my goal for this series, there's always a goal for this series. We preach on parenting, we want you to parent better, right? If we, if we preach on marriage, we want you to have a better marriage. If we do something like on the gospel, where we talk to you about how you talk to your friends about Jesus, we want you to talk to your friends about Jesus. This series, the whole purpose of it is I want you to read the Bible. Because here's the thing, most church people never do. So last week we tried to answer the question, what is the Bible and how did it get to us? And so we talked about the Bible was a book written over 1,600 years by 40 different authors on three different continents in three different languages, and the story never contradicts itself. It's an amazing book written by human hands under the inspiration of God. That's what the Bible says about itself. And, and then I talked to you kind of how the Bible got to us and how many people try to get rid of the Bible. And I, and I ended with this. I, I said, isn't it maybe true and maybe this, is, this, this book is, we have to start seeing it as valuable because Satan has tried so hard to get it out of our hands. If it wasn't a significant book, he could care less if you had it. Be- because of all the, the tribulation and trials that this book has gone through to get to you from where it came from, we should fully aware this thing is a treasure that's been given to us by God. In fact, I believe what Charles Spurgeon used to quote, he would say, a Bible that's, that's torn up in, in somebody's life usually belongs to somebody that, that, that their life is not, not torn up, or a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to somebody who isn't. What, what I would say, because you don't no longer have the Bible, most of you have something called the Bible app, you know, some of you have an actual paperback Bible and you read books still, but for most of us, we scroll now, right? And so that's how we read. You scroll, you miss the word, you scroll back up. We have something called version. No longer do you have to go buy the Bible anymore. Now we have it. And so it's not that we have an access problem, it's that we have an engagement problem. You can read any form of the Bible, uh, any translation for completely free. You can get reading plans. We've given you them. We just want to get you reading. And some, some of you might have said last week, I can't read. Like literally, I hear men say that, not that they can't read, I, I don't like to read the Bible, I don't understand it. One of the coolest things about version is it will read to you. That's, that's a good news in Jesus' name. Like you read into the book of Leviticus, you're like, I don't know what this is saying. Bam, you know, read this to me, Samuel L. Jackson. And so anyway, <laughs> it will read to you. The whole thing, is I just want to, I think if I could whet your appetite, that you will begin to develop a hunger. You're usually not hungry for the Bible until you start to eat it. The more you, you eat it spiritually, the more you want it. So for the next few weeks, after I hopefully have wet your appetite, got you to open the Word of God, I just want to talk about what the Word of God says about itself. I want to talk about different Bible verses in the Word of God that are talking about, uh, uh, about the Bible. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to turn to the book of Psalms 119. A little background of Psalms 119. If you have your, your version app, just go ahead and open it up. I know what the glow looks like. I know if you're on it or if you're not on it. I know what Facebook's glow look, looks like. I see it all the time. And so anyway, uh, I, I, you can open that up right now and you can go to Psalms 119. And we're going to end up in 105. But let me give you some explanation about Psalms, one, Psalms 119. Nobody knows the author of the book. Some people think it's David, some people think it's Daniel, some people think it's Ezra. I think it's David, uh, but some people think it's the other people. I'm not sure who it is. We'll figure it out when we get to heaven. But what we do know about the book of, of Psalms 119, it's the, longest, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. It's 176 verses. 176 verses of, of beauty to me. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing chapter in the Bible. And as you're reading it, uh, you'll get to, to Psalms 119, 105. And it's one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Psalms 119, 105. I, that's all I want to preach on today. 
And listen to what the Word of God says about the Word of God. It says in 105, your Word, that's the Bible, it's God's Word, your Word is a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light unto my path. Your, your Word is a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light unto my path. Let's stop there and let's explain what this is talking about. I don't know if you're a believer in this place, but, but I, I follow Christ. Uh, he's, he's saved me. He's changed me. He's opened my eyes up. I don't know where I would be without him. I grew up in church, but I don't know that I fully grasped the goodness of Jesus Christ until I was a little bit older. But after he saved me, I would say that he truly saved me at the age of 25, even though I was already pastoring at that point. That's a scary thing, by the way. I'm trying to pass people, and he truly saved me, and I appreciate the gospel, and I know how good he is, and I know what I deserve, and I know what he has given me, and I'm never going to forget it, and that's how I preach, and that's what I stand on, and that's why I think it's such a privilege to talk to other people about it, because I know it's never too late to be who God uh, created you to be. But I grew up in church uh, with a lot of other people who grew up in church, but, but then walked away from church. Some of them never came back. And I've had different friends on different pathways. I don't know if you've ever had this. Like you're, 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 you're kind of serving the Lord, and then there, you have friends that kind of, they're not. Maybe they grew up with the, with the exact same upbringing as far as church goes. They learned the exact same things. But I've had friends do all sorts of just what I would call really stupid things in their life. Like, like I had a friend who, who grew up with the same thing, teaching that I grew up with. Like, you know, don't have sex till you're married. And, and it just... This is how we preach it here. Don't have sex till you're married, and then after you get married, have lots of sex. Like, I think we, we, I think we, we missed that. It'll be like, you know, don't have sex till you're married when you're in church, and then your parents, they never go to bed at the same time, and they sleep with the door open, so you know they're not ever having sex as a married couple. So the message is, I better have lots of sex before I get married because we don't have any sex after we get married. But the message in the Bible is, is don't have any sex till you get, till you get married. Marry one person, and then... And then have lots of sex and make lots of babies. That's the, that's the message. That's the full message of the Bible. And every male and female in here that believes in the word of God says amen, right? That's good news. So he decided, you know, he's going to move in with his girlfriend and he's going he's to sleep with her and do all stuff. So he's kind of walking away from the Lord. And then he has sex with her and, he, and, 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 and surprisingly she gets pregnant. I mean, it's a surprise. That's like, that, that's like holding a firecracker in your finger and blowing your finger off. That's not a surprise. That's a New York giant. And so anyway, uh, gets her pregnant, and I'm like, dude, you need to marry her right now. Like right, right now in the midst of her, 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 her sickness and her moodiness and everything else that you women don't have. Yes, they do when they're pregnant. You marry her now because she's going to have a baby, and that baby's going to come out, and he or she is going to divide you, and if you're not married, you're going to run. You're going to run. It's going to be awful. You're not going to get any sleep. You're going to be angry at the other person. You're going to have to wake up. One of you is going to play like you're dead because you got up the night before. You're going to start keeping score on the, on the refrigerator of who got up the most. Everything that the other person does because you don't have any sleep in that moment is going to irritate you like breathing and looking at you and being alive. Marry her and say, so he's like, no, nah, no, nah, we'll be fine. Has the baby. End up breaking up because they have a baby and they hate each other. And now that baby's growing up in a home where, where daddy's one place and mommy's somewhere else. Stupid decision. Unwise decision. I had another friend that, that decided he was going to have an affair on his wife. It's not that big of a deal. Ruined his marriage. I've had other friends that have gambled themselves into debt. 
I've had other friends that have just dated somebody they shouldn't have, have dated. And, and the truth is, most of them are outside of the, the realm of walking in, in the light. And the Bible is pretty clear what's happening. Like, you read the Bible, it actually doesn't call them stupid. I don't want to call them stupid. The Bible actually says something totally different. It says they walk in, in darkness. They're blind. They can't even comprehend or understand the decisions they're making today are affecting the person they're going to be tomorrow. In fact, it says in like the book like Isaiah 59, it says, So justice is far from us, in verse number 9, and righteousness does not reach us. We look for light, but, but all is darkness, for brightness, but we walk in deep shadows. Like the blind, we grope along the wall, feeling our way like people without, without eyes. That's how it is without Jesus. It continues to go, At midday we stumble as if it were twilight. Among the strong we are we are like the dead. Jesus goes on to kind of reiterate this statement in the book of John. He says, he says, when Jesus spoke to the people again, he says, I'm the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. In other words, the explanation for my friends is not that they're stupid, it's that they're blind. It's that they're walking around in darkness. If you understand that in the context of your, of your life, if you've ever had children, yesterday, uh, my child Harrison, God bless his heart, he kind of walks around everywhere in the house and drops toys. Anybody else have a kid like that? Let me tell you something, never buy Legos for your kids, ever. It's the worst toy, worst invention in the world, unless you're going to super glue them together. But he walks around all over the place, just kind of drops toys is what kids do. And so the other day, yesterday, he has this, this, uh, this smiley face plastic thing he got from some Happy Meal or something like that. So he's walking around the house with this smiley face in his mouth. He's going up the steps and he does what babies do, he just drops it in the middle of the, of the stairway. He drops it with this little pointy thing sticking straight up. I'm not proud of my reaction of what happened, but I was walking up the steps and it was dark. I'm running up the steps to tell my boys to get ready. We're going to go, we're going to go swimming. And I stepped right on the thing. And, I, you know, I sang a hymn at that point. <laughs> You're so good to me. No, I was mad. Oh, 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 I was mad. Like, I'm like, Ooh, pick your stuff up. Here's the thing. Was the thing on the steps, was it, was it my fault I stepped on her, or was it a byproduct of walking in darkness? It's a byproduct of being in darkness. There's nothing I can do about it. If you get up and walk around in the dark, eventually you're going to run into something. Eventually you're going to hit your pinky toe on the side of a dresser and say something you're not proud of saying, but the problem is, is you're walking in darkness. And this scripture says, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In other words, the word of God is the book that helps me to see in the midst of a dark world. It would be like playing hide and go seek in the dark in the basement with your, with, your, with your friends when you were a kid and somebody giving you a pair of night goggles. It wouldn't be fair to everybody else, but all of a sudden you would have the upper hand. That's what the word of God says about it. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet and it's a light unto my path. It's not a surprise when you walk in darkness and you end up in a bad situation. What is a surprise when you have the ability to see in darkness and you still end up in a bad situation? So I want to teach you just really practically three things that happen when the word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path in Plymouth Meeting in Limerick and right here. Number one is this, is when the word of God is a lamp unto your feet, when it's, when it's the light for your life, it will keep you from stepping in crap. It will keep you, I know it's a super immature word, I can't believe that the pastor, I'm 35, I'm maturing, right? And I know crap is not a, it's not a good word, but, but you're going to see in a second, it is very applicable. It keeps you from stepping in crappy situations. You see, there's three types of people here today. The first type is the people who maybe don't believe and don't know about the goodness of God and never read the word of God, and you maybe have concerns or maybe you're confused about who he is, and your life has, 
maybe got into a bad situation, maybe not yet, but I'm of the belief that if you're not serving God or knowing who you are in Christ or knowing your identity at all through our campuses, that eventually you're going to run into some crap. That you're going to go through some really bad seasons and situations. And for some of you, you're in that season uh, right now. And I don't stand up here as a, as a pastor and, and preach down at you and say, I'm happy that you're going through those seasons. I'm happy that, you, that, you, that, you, that you're suffering. I'm happy that, you're, that you're, you're going through a really hard situation. I'm happy that your relationships are falling apart. I don't preach like that. That would be like me and you playing basketball, but you being blind. And then me beating you and celebrating that I'd be a blind person. It's just a result of you being blind. I would never celebrate where you're at in life and the struggle right now because it's as a result of you walking in darkness. There's other people in this room that you've come to the Lord, but you're, you came in the midst of some, some real bad crap, if I may. Like you came in the midst of a really big failure. You, you came in the midst of a, a failed relationship. You came in the midst of a really big addiction. You, you came and you, you gave your life to Jesus, but, but you still kind of carried with you, not, not baggage, but consequences. Maybe you came in and you still carried the memories and all these things, and you're kind of dealing with, with really bad situations. And here's what I would encourage you with. If a farmer can grow an entire field with crap of corn, God can grow some pretty good stuff in your life with your crap. So the Bible says that God uses all things for his good to accomplish great things for his kingdom if you allow him. Now I want to talk to the people who are kind of outside of that. One of the hardest things for, for me as a pastor is watching people walk away from really bad situations and kind of get their, their feet on them and not continue to look to God to guide them through this life and they get back into really bad situations. That's what this verse is saying. The, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but electricity was not around when this was written. The only form of light was fire. So at nighttime, the sun sets and it gets really dark. I have never been in this kind of darkness because I like indoors, right? I don't like to go camping and stuff like that. But some of you do. You know it gets really dark when the sun, the sun goes down. If you're in the middle of the woods, it gets really dark. So in this day and age, let me just paint this picture. There, there's, there's not blacktop. There's, there's dirt roads. People didn't travel uh, by car. I don't know if you knew that or not. They traveled uh, by camel and by, by, by horse, and they walked everywhere in sandals. But these, these horses and these camels and these wagons, they'd be kind of getting pulled through the streets. And, and people didn't have oil leaks back then. They had animals that had bowel movements. Like, that's the way it worked. You pulled up to a parking spot, you'd be like, oh, man, my animal just went number two again. I need to get that fixed, right? Find a, find a solution for that. Animals don't do that. They just go wherever they went. I'm pretty sure they hadn't invented yet, you know, what the Amish have, that little thing that catches them. They, have, they just went everywhere they went. So let's just say you're a, you're a, you're a 16, 17, 18-year-old year, young man with a job, by the way. And you're going to go on your first date, and you go home and get all fresh. You put on your freshest sandals, your Nike sandals, and you, 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 get your, you get your nicest robe on and all this stuff. And you begin to go out, and you're beginning to walk. And as you're walking, because you're walking through the same streets that the, the, the cows and, the, and all that stuff just walk through, and there's, there's literally to, there's torpedoes of crap everywhere, you begin to walk. And as you're going to the date, you step in, in, in that, and then you continue to go. That just ruins your first date. 
So what they would do is they would get a little lantern and they would put a little fire in the lantern and they would put it by their feet, close to their feet because it does no good when it's up here. They would put it close to their feet and they would walk and as they were walking, they would, they would put the lantern low and it would keep them from stepping in crap so that they could get to the place, take the girl on the date, wine and dine her and marry her. True story. It kept them from stepping in crap. The word of God is there so that it can enable you as you're walking through life as a believer in Christ to go, I shouldn't step there. Hold on, let me look. No, I shouldn't step there. Hey, should I get into this marriage? Should I date this person? I, I love when I, tell, when I ask somebody, why are you dating them? And this is a response. They're, they're, they're hot. Oh, they're hot. And you're like, listen, you need to put the lantern a little lower by your feet. And you need to realize that you're about to step into a really crappy situation. Why? Well, I don't know. Did you ever read Ephesians chapter 5 when it talks about how husbands are supposed to love and sacrifice for their wives, give up everything for them, and wives are supposed to submit and listen to their wives and follow, or their husbands and follow their husbands and all those things, and she don't want to follow nobody because nobody tells her what to do, right? And he don't want to come to church and he's not following Jesus, which means you can't follow him because why would you follow him to hell? They're hard. You're about to step into crap. And you can be warned if you would allow it to be a lamp until your feet. Some people have money problems. I don't know what to do. I have money problems. You know, somebody came up to me and I have a lot of money problems. They come with this get rich quick scheme where I can just barely do any work and then I can get a lot of money. You put the thing down and you realize quickly that that is some stupid crap right there. That yes, the word of God says that he can move mountains, but let me tell you something. Oftentimes the way he moves mountains is by giving you a shovel. You can put it down. Listen to what the Bible says as we continue through this, this point. In James 1, it says, any of you lack, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should just ask God. How do you ask God? You, you read his word. And watch what it says. Who gives generously to all without finding fault. If any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. How do you ask God? You read his word. Oftentimes, people will say, I haven't heard God speak to me ever. I'll say, when is the last time you read the word of God out loud? Then you'll hear God speak to you. See, for me, the word of God is like a cheat sheet to this really hard thing called life. It gives me all the answers of all of my problems. It gives me all the wisdom that I need. I'll use this illustration as we move to the next point real quickly. When I was 22, I became an official pastor. Pastor. I took a test. You know, you go and you take this long test and you become a, a licensed pastor. I'm not ordained yet. Uh, because I don't want to take another test because I'm 35 and I hate tests. And so I'm just licensed, but I'm officially a pastor. You can't call me reverend. You can't call me bishop. You can't call me king, but you can call me, you can call me pastor. And so I'm a pastor official. When I want to take this test, there are 16 uh, fundamentals that you have to know of the Assemblies of God. That's our denomination to pass this test. And I hate tests. And also with the, 15, the 16 fundamentals, you need to have all these scripture references with them. And so at that time, they allowed you when you took this test to cheat. It was incredible. You, you cheated to be a pastor. The word of God was going to become a lamp to my feet and the ability for me to cheat to become a pastor. And so anyway, but this is the way, they, because it was such a hard test, they would allow you, they would say, memorize 16 scriptures that go with the 16 fundamentals, know where those are at, and then when you flip to that, because you know where they're at, you can write in the little side thing of the Bible the fundamental. And so I thought to myself, that's exactly the way the Word of God is. 
He gives you the ability when you're going through a test to turn in his word to pass the test, but you're actually cheating because the answer's already been given to you. The question is, do you, do you listen? See, if you allow it, the word of God will keep you from stepping into crap. Number two is this, is I think the power of the word of God pushes us forward when we're considering standing in fear. It pushes us forward when we're having a problem standing in fear. In other words, the word of God promises to be a lamp unto our feet, but it is not a crystal ball for our life. See, my struggle with, with God oftentimes is if I take this step, you show me the end. Until you open up the light at the end, I'm not taking this step. We, we always want outcome, am I right? God, I'm going to start serving you. I want a wife. Now. And God's like, you serve for 15 minutes on one service. I know, but I'm ready. You know what you think? You know, God, I need that job that you're supposed to give me. I need it now. I need the promotion. I'm going to go into work, and I'm going to work hard for one day. Right? God, where are you at? I need a job. And God said, well, you worked hard for one day. You're not ready for a promotion because you're not a hard worker. You're going to ruin it. And God's just saying, take the next step. And how we know this is applicable is because, listen, oftentimes we think of light, we think of this powerful LED flashlight that can kind of go before us. But for them, it was just a little fire inside a little lantern. It wasn't very powerful. And the way that it continued to light up the place you were walking is you had to keep stepping. Every step you took, the light came with you. But when you stopped, the light stopped going with you. The message is, if you want to get to the promises of God, you have to keep walking. See, the Word of God will encourage you to keep going. See, I often think this when I, when I, when I, when I think about that is, is oftentimes I want the emotion before I make the, the step of obedience. When I found that, that it's my step of obedience that, that provides the right emotion. I want the joy of the Lord to, to be in my life before I ever give the money. When God's saying when you give the money, you'll be joyful. I want the joy of the Lord to be in my, in my life in the marriage. And God's saying, long before you get married, you need to learn to be joyful in being single. So take the steps towards embracing singleness. It's emotion that, that follows obedience. In fact, it says that in the Bible, in the book of Proverbs 3, it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That's, that's, a, that's a great verse for all of us. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Stop thinking about things the way you typically think about things. In all your ways, submit to him. What's submission? Step, step, step. And then the rest of the verse says, and he, he'll make your path straight. You want the outcome. God wants the obedience. And here's how I kind of trust God in this. is for me, it, it, it's God's character that allows me to trust him with, with the course. It's God's character that allows me to trust him. Of course, for some of you, you've never experienced the character of God because you're really new in your faith. But, but for me, I've been doing this for 10 years. And so as, as I kind of try to walk out my, 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 my faith without sometimes sight, and I try to lean not on my own understanding when I'm called to do what I'm called to do, which is lead this church, oftentimes I'll go back to what he's done and built his character through this church and trust him with the future. So like for me, for three years uh, before we started giving 10% of our finances away as a church, I kind of stood, uh, I was happy because I wasn't standing in crap, but I didn't want to keep going. But I wanted God to keep, keep growing this church, but I didn't want to keep going. So I'm like, God, grow this church. And he's like, well, take the next step. And I'm like, well, what's the next step? Give 10% away. Nah, I don't want to do that. God, can you make our church grow? Okay, give 10%. God, I'm not doing that. You know why? Because that's so many lights that we can have for our stage. We need lights. 
Now you take the next step. God, if we give, I'm not going to be able to hire nobody. God, if we give, we won't be able to have electricity. God, if we give, my kids won't eat. God, can you just be reasonable? Take the next step. And so three years ago, we started giving away 10%, and I started writing or watching those checks, handing those checks. Or I never wrote them, but I watched them go out, and I would look down, and it would be $3,000, and I would just cry. God, this is so many lights and so much haze and so much food. Three years ago, we started giving. Four years ago, $3,000. This year, we're writing $10,000 checks. They're just flying out. I know someday as we continue to take the steps of faith, they're going to be $20,000 checks, and then they're going to be $100,000 checks, and we're going to be able to build an orphanage or buy, buy a building for an organization in one month or do all sorts of things. But it, it, starts, it starts with taking the next step. See, for you, maybe, maybe as you start to read the Word of God, you'll realize, I've never experienced the character of God to trust Him with the course, but as you read the, the, the Word of God, you'll begin to see how He kind of moves through people's lives. Like, just go through the stories of the, the Old Testament. Noah, he comes to a man in the middle of a desert and tells him to build a boat. He's in a desert. I mean, he's not by the ocean. He's in the desert. And there's no water. And God's like, listen, there's going to be a flood. Build a boat. Not only build a boat, but build a boat a football field long. Don't worry about it. How many people you got? I got a couple sons and a wife. That's enough. Start building. You got any power tools, God? No. Do it with your hands. Noah's building this boat. People are mocking him and they're ridiculing, but he keeps walking. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet. I'm going to keep walking. And all of a sudden, he gets the art done. He gets the animals on the art. The rain starts going. You know who survives the flood? Noah. Comes to a man named Abraham. He says, Abraham, I'm going to take you to a new land, but you have to leave everything you know. Your family, everything. Pack you and your wife up and go. Abraham has to decide, do I want to leave everything I know to go to the promised land? And you know he becomes the father of all nations. Father Abraham had many sons, and you and me are one of them. Yes, we'll praise the Lord. Moses, he says, Moses, leave my people out of Egypt and walk to a dead end. Walk to a dead end? Yes, and as you get to the dead end, which is the Red Sea, which, by the way, we have no boats. When you turn around, he, Pharaoh's coming with all of his chariots. God, what are you doing? I'm showing you that I could part the Red Sea. You're about to walk on dry land through this, this water. But before you do that, you've got to trust me that the word of God is a lamp unto your feet to get you to a dead end to kill your past. You've got to trust me. Here's what I know about the Bible. The word of God helps us make momentary decisions of obedience that will impact, if you allow it, monumental futures of purpose. Momentary decisions of obedience are the catalyst for monumental Futures of purpose. Number three. The last thing I think the word of God is, 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 is good at, if it's your light, is it guides you through all situations. I used to read this passage, and I, think, I thought it repeated itself. I don't know if anybody else did. So it would be like, the word of God is a lamp unto my feet, and it's a light unto my path. And I used to just read it and go, okay, that's cool. Whoever wrote this, David, Daniel, Ezra, whoever you were, we're not sure who it was. You know, you ran out of creative words to say, so you just kind of repeated yourself. Or I would think, as a man, why don't you just stop at the first one? That's good enough. The Word of God is a lamp to my feet. Keeps you from crappy situations. Helps me take the next step. It's powerful. It's the promises for everything I need, I need in my life. It's the, it's the wisdom. It's the advice. But then he says, the Word of God is also a lamp unto my feet. And I started to study that this week. And, and I've never heard this before. And I'm not sure how many theologians believe this to be true. But this, this commentary I read said this, and I loved it. It said, darkness in the Bible always represents suffering. See, what I know about this 
is for the first couple points of this, you're, most of you are with me. You're like, yeah, I need the word of God when it's hard. God is faithful. When, when I'm not faithful, God is there. At my lowest, God will pick me up. Like, this sermon will be downloaded. It'll be listened to. It'll be encouraging to some people. Like, this is the kind of stuff that we eat up in church. God's never going to let me down. God's never going to abandon me. The word of God is a lamp unto my feet. No crap for me. And people can relate with that. But the light for your path is different. That, that, there's no such thing as that in the Bible. There's no light for your path. There's no street lights. There's no flashlight that flashes way out into the future so you can see it. There's a lantern that helps you each step of the way. There's no floodlight. So this light's different. This light is, is the daylight. What he's saying is, he's saying, your word is, is there in the darkness, and, and your word guides me in the in the daylight. In other words, daylight in the Bible always, repre- always represents blessing. Always. And the psalmist is saying this. I know I can trust you when it's bad. And, and I realize I need you even more when it's good. See, what I realize about most of me in my life, in my experience with God, is when stuff is really bad, when stuff is really a struggle, when, when church is, is really going hard, when the summer is really getting long at church. I need God then. Like, I'll be on my hands and knees. I'll be crying. I'll be having a good experience. All of a sudden, stuff starts going good. It happened some years back. We went through three years of just hard at this church. And all of a sudden, we get a building, and stuff starts to take off. And in two months, our church goes from 200 to 400. And I started making, making arrangements for my book tour, if you know what I'm saying. I'm not lying. You ask my wife, I was about 27 years old, I was an idiot. I'm like, man, I must be preaching great. I mean, I forgot, I had a quote on my wall that says, never, never blame yourself when it's, when it's bad or when stuff is decreasing because you'll take credit when it starts increasing. That's what I started doing. I started, man, I mean, I'm preaching. People are coming to hear me. And God, like a little ant, <laughs> stupid, stupid, stupid. And I forgot. I forgot. It's easy to need God when stuff's going good. Why do some of us run away from him all of a sudden when it's going, it's going better, when, it's, when we're on top of the mountain? I, I need you, God. I need a relationship. God, I need a girlfriend. God, I need a boyfriend. God, I need something. I'm lonely. You get a boyfriend, you get a girlfriend. God brings him into your life. God entrusts you with this person. He wants you to be a good steward of his relationship. All of a sudden, you don't need God no more. God, I have a money problem. I got a money problem. I got 99 problems. And my money is one. All of a sudden, God provides because he always provides. You start to tithe. You start to give. He starts to give you more money because you're tithing. He's, you're, he's trusting you with more. And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, sweet. I'll get, a, I'll get a boat. I'll get a house. I'll get all this stuff. And all of a sudden, you've forgotten God. I had a coach, and he used to tell me this. He would say, be a good winner. You know what that means? You are an awful winner. Like, even this age, I, listen, if I beat you at something, I'm going to let you know. Like, me and Ian, we run sometimes at, the, at, the, at the, the, the workout place, the weight room, the rascals, whatever you call it. And it always starts off as a, as a joke, right? Because I don't want to injure nothing. But I'm not letting somebody that's half my size with half my stride, he can beat me at everything else at the gym, everything else. 
but he won't beat me and running. And so we'll be in there. Somebody was in there from our church the other day. They came up to us. They were like trying to talk to us. We're running. And in my head, I was thinking, stop talking to me right now. I'm about to die. We're running. What are you doing? We're racing. You know, we're running. And I want to win. But if I beat you or if you beat me, he does the same thing. We're going to be awful to you. We're going to brag. I had a kid on my, on my, on my, on my kid's T-ball or baseball this year, and when he won, we didn't even keep score, but I always kept score in my head. He would say, did we win? And I would say yes, and he would instantly go like this, we beat you! I'm like, nah. Go through the line. Good game. Good game. Good game. The message of this second part is, is be good when God is good to you. Be a blessing when God is he blesses you. When God brings, brings the increase, don't get prideful with it. Get more wisdom for it. You see, it's easy. It's easy when you're at rock bottom to worship God. It's easy when, you're, when your marriage is falling apart or when your finances are falling apart or when your addiction is overwhelming you to run to God. What happens? What happens to so many of us when we're standing on top of the mountain? We forget where our praises go. Just a few chapters earlier, uh, David, I, I believe he wrote this Psalm in 116. He says, I love the Lord for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy because he turned his ear to me. I will call on him as long as I live. He's in a really bad time. He's remembering it. He says, the cords of death en entangled me. The anguish of the grave came over me. I was overcome by distress and sorrow. Then I called in the name of the Lord. Lord, save me. The Lord was gracious and righteous and full of compassion. The Lord protects the unwary. When I was brought low, he saved me. For you, Lord, have delivered me from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from stumbling. You remember that when you were there? You, God, did that. Now watch the turn a couple, a couple verses later that he, he begins to say. Verse 12 says, what shall I return to the Lord for all that goodness that he, that he did for me? I will lift up the cup of salvation, and I will call on the name of the Lord. In other words, is your worship just as passionate when everything's going good? What I'm going to do is I'm going to lift up the cup. I'm going to lift up my hands toward the ones that saved me. I'm going to remember even when it's going good. And then he says this, and I'm going to fulfill every vow to the Lord in the presence of all his people. In other words, I'm going to keep doing what he has saved me from and called me to. I'm going to keep doing that even when I don't, when I don't feel like I need him anymore. Every blessing you get that doesn't turn back to God turns into, turns into pride. And the Bible was clear that pride, it comes and then the fall. That if you're good at, at needing God in the bad times, then maybe you need to ask God, 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 I need to remember you in the, in the good times. I read this quote as we close. You can stand up at all of, our, at all of our campuses. And it just was this. It said, happy moments, praise God. Difficult moments, seek God. Quiet moments, worship God. Painful moments, trust God. In every moment, you, you thank God. I'm thankful that, that you were there in my lowest. And God, I know where you put me. I know you put my feet here. I know it's you and you alone. His word is a lamp unto your feet. Keeps you from crap. Helps you to keep moving. And it's a light when stuff is going good. He'll teach you how to be blessed. He'll teach you how to give when you get more. He'll teach you how to serve when you have more time. He'll teach you how to handle, handle what he's given you. Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes with me? At all of our campuses, our campus pastors are standing in the front. And maybe, 
Maybe last week you said, you know what, I'm going to read the Bible, and maybe seven days passed and you never did. And you're, still, you're still here, your heart's still beating, and God's word is still standing. And he's still calling out to you. He wants to speak to you. Maybe some of you left this place and you said, you know what, this didn't feel like it all week. I told you last week. You never get hungry for the word of God until you start feasting on the word of God. But you might have been so used to eating junk food that it's almost impossible for you to even have an appetite for the word of God. And so you're going to have to starve your, your addiction to culture and your addiction to social media and your addiction to all the other garbage that maybe me and you allowed into our life. And you're going to have to begin to feast on the word of God. And I believe as you feast on the word of God that your appetite will become greater, that you will be un- you'll begin to understand things that you never understood, that he'll begin to speak to you and empower you in ways that maybe you've never walked out in your life, but you have to start. And so maybe last week you prayed and you were really serious about it and you went through this week and it just got away from you. Time just got away from you. This is the best day right now to make that decision again, the best moment to start. For some of y'all, I just want you to be encouraged because you've made the decision to read and Maybe you got up every day early this week or before you went to bed, or maybe you work third shift, so when you, when you wake up at, at 12 o'clock or 3 o'clock before you go to work, usually you would spend time relaxing on the couch. You started reading. There's a promise in the scripture in the, in the Sermon on the Mount that teaches us how to pray, and then he says, go into a prayer closet and pray, not trying to get rewarded from the public, and then he says, what you do in private, God will reward. The blessings of, of the word of God are coming to you going to build you up, equip you to do good things, man or woman of God. Maybe you're in this place and you say, you know what, I don't know the word of God at all. I don't even know the ways of God. Maybe you came here today because you were invited by a, by a family member or a friend and you said, you know what, I just want to be religious. I love when I talk to people and they're like, you know, I'm not into religion and I, I get to tell them, neither am I. Neither am I. In fact, I hate religion. And I love watching their jaw drop and they think, what are you? You're supposed to be a pastor. And I love to explain to them, religion is about you. Your life is a mess, so you clean yourself up. How do you clean yourself up? You do religious things. You pray a little bit more. You come to church a couple more times. Maybe you go to a class and you get confirmed. Maybe you buy a tombstone at an old church so that they can bury your body someday when you die. I'm not sure what it looks like, but I know what it feels like to be religious. And you know that if you've ever been religious, it doesn't get any better doesn't get any easier. That religion only puts the burden and and makes the weight even heavier in your life. This is not a religious place, friend, at all of our campuses. This is a place of the gospel. The word of God, uh, when it talks about Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it it describes itself as the, the good news. The good news. The gospel. The gospel message is simple. That religion says you get to God. That the gospel says that God, he gets to you. That I believe that he set this moment up in time, in the middle of this treacherously hot day, in the middle of summer, that he set this exact moment in time up to meet you right here. I'm not sure who you are, and I'm not sure what your situation is, and I'm not sure what your struggle is, and I'm not sure what your addiction is, I'm not sure what your shame is, I'm not sure what your bitterness is, I'm not sure how angry you are, but what I do know is when the presence of God shows up, that all of a sudden, this knocking starts to happen, and it's God knocking at the door of people's hearts, 
And I could stand up here for hours and yell and tell jokes and do all those things. But the truth is that none of this is relevant without the presence of God. And he is here. The Bible says where two or more gather, that his presence is there. That he inhabits the praises of his people. That's the only reason the church people showed up today. We showed up to worship God and we pleaded that his presence would show up here. And that somebody like yourself who might feel far from God would be here. And in a moment he would change your life. That you run from God... And God got to you, and now he knocks. And the good news is simple, that you and me, we're sinners. We're angry, we're bitter, we're full of resentment. We try to cope with our our pain through addiction and relationship. We put a Band-Aid over a wound that can never heal it. We look for answers, yet we search in darkness. And we end end up with nothing. And God could have left you there. Bible calls us rebels. We've rebelled against a God. We've run and we've done everything we can to get him out of our lives. But the cool thing is that God's love for you is not dependent on how far you can run. His love for you is dependent on how far he can reach and he reaches to the depths of your sin, to the depths of your pain through his son Jesus Christ. He hung on a cross. He died the death. You should have died. They placed him in a rich man's tomb. They rolled a stone in the way. They sealed it up with a Roman seal. They placed guards in front of it. They tried to stop the movement of Jesus Christ and on the third day he rose from the dead. And the message was clear. Is his story should have been over. But it was just beginning. And the message to you, my friend, is your story should be over. But it's never too late to be who God created you you to be. This is just the beginning. If you would repent and you would confess that Jesus is Lord, the Bible says you will be saved. You'll be a brand new creation. What was true of you when you walked into this place is no longer true of you. That his love, his forgiveness, his purpose, and his hope, it outlasts anything that happened in your life up to this point, and it will go with you into eternity. And he's here right now, friend, and he's knocking, and you can feel it. Just like somebody's knocking at the front door of, of your house. And the way you respond is, Jesus, Jesus, I need you today. The way you pray is the same way you talk to a friend, because that's who God is. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother, the Bible says. If you're in this place at our Limerick campus in Plymouth meeting, maybe watching online, and you say, you know what, I need to respond to this message. I can feel God knocking at the door of my heart. I know he's moving in my heart right now. I don't fully understand everything that's going on, but I can't walk out of this place without making this decision. I'm not living one more moment. I'm not being angry one more moment. I'm not being bitter. I'm not having unforgiveness in my heart. And just so you know, you can try all you want to be a forgiving person, to be unbitter and whatever else you want to be, but that only comes through the forgiver. His name is Jesus Christ. He forgives your sins and gives you the power to forgive those that have trespassed against you. His name is Jesus. He's the answer to every problem that you have. If you need a relationship with him right now, all over this house at our Limerick and Plymouth meeting campus, you say, you know what? Today is going to be my day. He's knocking at the door of my heart. Just shoot your hand up in the air all over this campus, all over our Limerick campus, all over our Plymouth meeting campus. Just put your hand up in the air all over this place and just begin to pray. Talk to Jesus like you talk to a friend at our Limerick campus, Plymouth meeting. Just keep your hand up in the air so our campus pastors can see you as we're closing in prayer. I see a hand over here. Is there anybody else who say, Pastor, that's me. I'm going to shoot my hand up in the air. I'm not going to think about this anymore. I can tell you right now, Satan is trying to convince you to not make this decision. I see another hand. Is there anybody else who say, Pastor, that's me. Satan wants to keep you, keep you right here. He wants to keep you in this spot right now. But God has so much for you. Yes, we can clap for them, church. We can clap for them, church. 
I'm going to ask you one more time. Jesus needs to be the Lord of my life. I'm never ashamed to ask, and I'm not worried if nobody puts their hands up. What I'm more worried about is not asking. Is there anybody else at Limerick or Plymouth meeting in this moment? He say, you know what? God's knocking. He's knocking. I'm going to let him in. I'm going to let him in through his son, Jesus Christ. I'm not going to walk out of this place. I'm not strong enough to deal with what I'm dealing with. I'm not powerful enough. I'm tired of my life. I need Jesus. The Bible says if you come to him, if you're weary and heavy laden, that he'll give you rest, that he will give you the rest that you've been looking for. Is there anybody else? I'm not searching. I've been found by Jesus Christ. I've been found by Jesus Christ. Would you pray with me, church? Jesus, we thank you for this day.